Welcome to Stories in the Heart. I'm Sandra McDevitt. Today in Stories in the Heart, the true story of a young girl dubbed Rosie the Morning Glory. Rosie had a deep devotion to the Sacred Heart. Her one daily prayer since her first communion was the conversion of her father. Stay tuned to find out if she succeeded and how and why she was dubbed Rosie the Morning Glory on another Stories from the Heart. One rainy afternoon last year, I was visiting some invalid lady friends and in the course of the conversation told the story of a little girl whom I was used to calling Rosie, the morning glory. When leaving, one of them asked me, Father, could you write down that story that you've been telling us about the little morning glory? What follows is in substance what I had told that rainy afternoon to my pious lady friends. Rosie, the morning glory, it is a strange name. Yes, but her name was not Rose, nor yet morning glory. She received it in holy baptism, the sweetest name of a woman, the name of her, the purest and sweetest, whom we love to style the mystical Rose. One bright afternoon in June, when she was a tiny creature, she presented me with a fragrant rose, and as she asked my acceptance of it, herself blushed like a rose. Thus, from that time, I called her Little Rosie. From the day she began her preparation of her first Holy Communion until the day of her last illness, unless sick, her open, innocent face could be seen about sunrise at Old St. Joseph's, where she came to assist at Holy Mass. As I have ever been an admirer of the morning glory, which, in its early days, presents his bright and cheery face to the sun and beauty during the brief and happy life, I got into the habit of addressing my little Rosie thus. How's my morning glory today? Does Rosie in the morning glory like the nice warm weather? Or other variations on the same theme. She was a sweet child, truthful, confident, devoted, and pious. And I'm of the opinion that the angels hovering around her loved her sweet soul, so pleasing to God. Rosie was the firstborn of a large family of children, the fruit of a mixed marriage. I've ever thought it was Rosie's heartfelt devotion to our beloved Savior's sacred heart, which was rewarded with her own piety and her father's conversion. He was a very bigoted Methodist, who had read but little and cared but to read. Of course, at the time of the marriage, he made the required promises, and the good priest would not have witnessed the ceremony otherwise. However, there was at the time very little intention of keeping them. When the good God sent the firstborn, he casually remarked, The girls go with the mother, but I'll have the boys. Father baptized Rosie. Happening into the sacristy about that time, I congratulated the father on the happy birth of his pretty little daughter. I wish she had been born dead, he grumbled. And to my look of horror, he answered, Well, I married a Catholic and got a good wife, but I do not care for Roman Catholics, and no child of mine shall be one, not if I can help it. 
My mother, however, knew how to walk around a difficulty, and thanks be to God, she succeeded in having all their children, girls and boys, baptized in the Catholic Church and educated in Catholic schools. When Morning Glory was yet a little miss, somewhat mischievous, one summer afternoon I was speaking with some young people in the quadrangle. And strange to say, the talk turned on preaching. Rosie remarked, I can't understand Father Andrew only when he speaks about the Sacred Heart, and then I can follow every word. Please explain to me about the Sacred Heart. I utilized the opportunity to explain in a manner which I thought they would comprehend what is meant by the holy devotion to Jesus' Sacred Heart, and they led Rosie and the others into the church to show them the dear old painting of the Sacred Heart behind the south altar. Rosie knelt before it quietly for some time, and when we came out of the church, she said, I'm going to ask things always from the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Now, my little Rosary had one fault, her temper. Having noticed, however, that Rosie seemed truly devout to the Sacred Heart, on one occasion, while preparing for the reception of the confirmation, she got into a difficulty with the companion. I thought of trying something connected to the Divine Heart for her correction. I sent her to the altar. I told her to kneel before that of the Sacred Heart for ten minutes and ask our Lord over and over again if He had not told us, Learn of me, because I am meek and humble of heart. In about a quarter of an hour she came, and she confessed to me, her little head bowed and said, Father, forgive me, I am sorry for being so bad, and I will try to correct my temper to please the sacred heart of Jesus. She did try, and though on more than one occasion she forgot herself, she persevered in trying and eventually became a remarkably mild-tempered young lady. Things were not pleasant at home. The father almost continually objected to his children's being educated as Catholics. On the afternoon of the Sunday in which she had been confirmed, he was there, Rosie being one of those who sang before the statue of St. Joseph. I saw him standing before the gate when the little girl came out of the church. She ran up to show him the picture she had received. He looked at it for a while, then threw it on the street and walked on it. Rosie cast her eyes, the tears welling up in them, toward the altar of the Sacred Heart, picked up the picture and followed him, her lips moving in prayer all the time. The next Sunday afternoon, when I was sitting at the back of the Sunday School Chapel, speaking now with one and now with another, Rosie sat down beside me and asked, Father, do you think that the Sacred Heart of Jesus is powerful enough to obtain any favor it wishes from God? I tried to make her understand that devotion to the Sacred Heart is devotion to God's very self, because Jesus is God. I'm going to ask the Sacred Heart this very afternoon to make my father keep sober, she replied. Some weeks later, he came with his wife and took the pledge, and as far as I know, he has kept it. It was my custom for many years, on the morning of the First Holy Communion, as soon as the children were placed in their pews, to take my seat in the confessional, so as to be ready to solve any difficulty the young ones might have. Rosie approached me. Father, she said, 
I want to ask you three questions. Will not the Sacred Heart grant you any requests you make at your First Communion, if it is not wrong? May I ask, as my first intention, for the conversion of my Father? Would it be wrong to ask at every Holy Communion for his conversion? That morning I gave Rosie the bread which comes down from heaven, and though there was nothing remarkable about the child, I felt the angels hovered around her. The next year, as every year until her early death, she renewed with the other children her first Holy Communion. She had told me the day before that one of her intentions in living was ever the conversion of her dear father, and that she never let a day go by without saying many times for the same purpose, Sweetheart of Jesus, make me love thee more and more. In due time, Rosie became a Sunday school teacher. I noticed that as soon as she entered the beautiful chapel, her eyes turned toward the life-size statue of the Sacred Heart, holding in one hand the emblem of his gift of purity and love, the grapes and wheat. She often went up to the sanctuary rail to say some prayers, which were always terminated by a turning for a short while toward the same beautiful statue of our Lord. She was in no way demonstrative of her devotion. On the contrary, she seemed to endeavor to conceal her great love for the heart of love. One day she told me a non-Catholic man asked her to be his wife. Do you think I can ask a sacred heart if it's going to be all right, she asked me. And I replied, Do you think the Sacred Heart of Jesus would want you marrying a non-Catholic? No, she answered, and I will not marry one. Besides, I sometimes think I'm called to be a Sister of Charity. I told her that I'd never seen the signs of a vocation in her, and that while a call to religion was a priceless privilege, I would not like her or anyone else to enter a religious order unless a prudent confessor should decide that there were at least signs of a vocation. I suggested that she should make six Sundays in honor of St. Aloysius, begging the good God to make her known her vocation. She promised to do so, adding that she would make the same request daily to the Sacred Heart. That very evening she told the young man she could not be his wife. On the sixth Sunday, I asked Rosie about her vocation. She answered somewhat in this manner. I feel I am called to be neither a sister of charity, but that my work is in this world. Mother is going old, father is not strong, and who will be there to look after the children if God takes our parents? If the good God should take the father and mother, it will be on him that the children now grown up will have to depend for the little morning glory withered and faded, but not before her father came to me and asked for instructions to be received into the Catholic Church. While speaking to me on a cold, dreary day late in May, I noticed my little Rosie was drooping. The next day she was unable to go to work. Three weeks after, on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, our little undying flower ceased to bloom on earth. Do you not think that she bloomed sweetly among those happy flowers who form the virginal coronet of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? Do you not feel that the frail craft has safely entered the haven of the heart she so much loved from the days of her innocent childhood? 
our bright little morning glory closed on earth to open sweetly in heaven. Scattered on the bed where Rosie lay were the pictures of mementos she received about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. At the head of the bed was a little statue, and at the foot hung a picture. We laid her quietly to rest in a retired spot of the Cathedral Cemetery. On her coffin lay some fragrant roses, and a little boy, as far as I know unprompted, placed upon some pure white morning glories, while the last words which fell as her remains were lowered into the grave were, Sweet heart of my Jesus, make me love thee more and more. Thank you for joining us in Stories from the Heart. Today's true story, Rosie in the Morning Glory, was written anonymously and published in Little Messenger of the Sacred Heart magazine. For a copy of this, email Sandra at AveMariaRadio.net. Or to listen again, go to the Ave Maria Radio Archives. I'm Sandra McDevitt. May God bless the rest of your day. Missed the show? Not sure if it came from Ave Maria Radio? Go to AveMariaRadio.net. A list of shows and hosts are there. And if you find the show you're looking for, you can hear the whole thing again by going through the Ave Maria Radio audio archives. For years, we've recorded nearly every show from Ave Maria Radio. Just click on the audio archives message located at the center of our homepage. Now you even have more reasons to become a radioactive Catholic by going to AveMariaRadio.net.